How Sound of Freedom Dominated the Box Office and Embarrassed Hollywood by Giving Us What We Wanted. Sound of Freedom is sailing toward $100 million without breaking a sweat. It topped all of Hollywood blockbusters from Disney's Catastrophe, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, to Insidious, to Jennifer Lawrence's middling sex comedy, No Hard Feelings. Only Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning could top it. Podcast listeners, a chart from the numbers, Mission Impossible, at number one, making $80 million. Sound of Freedom, at number two, making $85 million in just 13 days. For a film that costs just $14.5 million, Sound of Freedom is rounding the bases and humiliating Hollywood by the minute. As if to say, what, like it's hard? They have one job in Hollywood. Tell a great story. Why would they expect people to turn out if they can't even do that? Hollywood and those who cover Hollywood have lost the trust of the American public, who have begun to rely more on audience ratings at Rotten Tomatoes and word of mouth rather than critics. They've been burned too many times. Mindless franchise movies or agonizing navel-gazing narcissism about identity. Going to the movies has become a chore most would rather skip. For podcast listeners, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score of Sound of Freedom at 100% with over 10,000 verified ratings. Compared to 72% for 36 critics' reviews. And then it says, What to know? Critics' consensus. Sound of Freedom is an effective and suspenseful call to action against human trafficking, yet not free of issues in its depiction of the sensitive subject matter. Then it says, Audience says, Sound of Freedom is a powerful film with strong performances and an important message. The disconnect here between the critics and the audience is laughable and telling, yet not free of issues is hilarious. The audience has it right. Hollywood would do better to start listening to them instead. Listening to audiences is what Hollywood has done for decades. It's only recently that they've decided to trust the gatekeepers more to get those juicy headlines and online engagements with Gen Z. But this has all but wrecked their brand. It's a little like this scene in a movie made at a time when Hollywood still told great stories, Bull Durham. Tim Robbins wants to bring heat and announce his presence with authority, but he is not listening to his catcher, Kevin Costner. Hey, why are you shaking me off, huh? I want to bring the heater to announce my presence with authority. To announce your what? To announce my presence with authority. To announce your fucking presence with authority? This guy's a first ball fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh, yeah? So what? He ain't seen my heat. All right, mate. Give me your heat. Why is he always calling me me? I'm the guy driving a Porsche. Fastball. Son of a bitch. Look at that. He hit the fucking bull. Gotta get some free steak. 
<laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah, I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. God, sucker teed off in that like he knew I was going to throw a fastball. He did know. How? I told him. All right, one down now. Come on, no kill man. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Chuck Arkin, Chuck Arkin, you got me. Don't think, just throw. Don't think, just throw. Hollywood could learn a lesson or two from Bull Durham, both in its absolutely unqualified excellence and in its message in that scene. Don't think, just throw. And this is what Sound of Freedom does. Its mission is not to scold its audience or to redefine how they see gender roles in society, but to tell a great story, not to mention celebrate Tim Ballard as an American hero who risked his life to save kids from the clutches of predators. And therein lies the point of entry for the gatekeepers. The left mostly exists huddled inside their fear bunker. They're consumed by paranoia. Their imagination takes them to dark places, and for some reason, people give them microphones, jobs at media outlets, and cable news shows. In this case, because pedophiles are involved, and because the film was only given a chance to be seen on the right, it must be QAnon! Here is a video review from NerdWord. In terms of child trafficking, we know trafficking is real. We know it has real victims. No one is denying that. But these films are created out of moral panics. They're created out of bogus statistics. They're created out of fear. And with something like Sound of Freedom, it specifically is looking at QAnon concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high-level elites and only people like Tim Ballard and only people like Jim Caviezel and, by extension, only people like the ticket buyer can help bring these trafficking rings down. So there's a very participatory element. I don't think I can properly describe just how insidious it is that major news outlets can discredit a film about such an important and harrowing topic. And yet outlets like Rolling Stone and The Guardian have been working overtime to distract, deflect, and discredit Sound of Freedom as much as they can for reasons that might be even more insidious and horrifying than the interviews themselves. And if they aren't running their mouths to refute the subject matter of the film, they are responding with a silence that is deafening. Which leaves it up to the everyday moviegoer like you and me to spread the word about how necessary and important that this film is. So let's talk about it. Sound of Freedom tells the story of real-life hero Tim Ballard, a man who gave up his job as a Homeland Security officer to rescue children caught in human trafficking in South America, and the harrowing reality of children caught in the sex trade and what they endure. The story itself focuses on Tim's rescue of a brother and a sister who were taken under false pretenses and sold for profit to the most despicable beings imaginable. He ends up teaming up with a former drug cartel lord named Vampiro who does his part to rescue children and set them free. I did find Tim's and Vampiro's dynamic to be one of the most powerful aspects of the movie, full of cynicism, hope, and relentless drive to rescue and protect children from the slime of humanity. Himself is a Sound of Freedom is not just a true story, but it was written years before QAnon rose to prominence as yet another of our media's favorite scapegoats. Do you think that stopped them from attempting to discredit the film? Why were they so threatened? Because that's their default in the post-Trump era. Attack first, ask questions later. But their hysteria backfired spectacularly, bringing more attention to the film, not less. They aren't trying to discredit the movie because it's bad. They know it isn't. They were going after it because it succeeded despite the media machine that micromanages Hollywood 
and everything else the left controls. In the end, they did more to discredit themselves. Here is a funny video by J.P. Sears. Good evening, and welcome to a special Cover Our Tracks report. Why are we on the left panicking over the movie The Sound of Freedom and the realities of child trafficking that it exposes? Why are Rolling Stone, The Washington Post, CNN, and other trusted outlets smearing the movie and creating a narrative that is fueled by crazy conspiracy theories? Well, in doing so, we realize it looks like we're trying to convince people that child trafficking isn't a problem at all in order to protect vile predators. And that kind of makes it seem like we have some kind of vested interest in child trafficking, almost like we support it. So tonight we'll be covering our tracks by telling you why Sound of Freedom deserves to be bashed and why we're not guilty of doing what we're actually doing. Starting with the facts, Sound of Freedom is based on the life of Tim Ballard, founder of Operation Underground Railroad that sets up sting operations to rescue children from sex trafficking while putting predators in jail. To date, they've rescued over 7,000 children and helped to make over 6,500 arrests of predators. Pretty impressive statistics, considering child trafficking doesn't exist. Now to the movie. Released on the 4th of July, Sound of Freedom has come out of the gate as the number one movie in the country, beating out Indiana Jones that was backed by a mega budget of $300 million. Sound of Freedom was only backed by a budget of truth, and its success suggests that truth spreads and wins based on its own merit. But we believe the truth is worth less than money and the reality that Sound of Freedom exposes isn't truth you can trust. That's why we're here to feed you lies that you can trust. Now, listen closely because the brainwashing is about to begin. Our working narrative that we're aggressively smearing the movie with is that it's based on QAnon-fueled conspiracy theories. Let's hear more. The now definitely not complicit in child trafficking Washington Post calls Sound of Freedom a QAnon-adjacent thriller seducing America. Seducing America into what? Not caring about and being willing to stop the heinous abuse of children by the most vile predators on the planet? Yeah, trying to trick Americans into that isn't good for their interests. The Washington Post tries to discredit the film further by discrediting Operation Underground Railroad itself by proudly stating that Glenn Kessler, the Washington Post fact-checker who has yet to find a single fact but keeps trying, found no evidence of Tim Ballard's claim that 10,000 children are smuggled into the U.S. each year for sex trafficking. You're doing God's work, Glenn, and also doing a great job of not finding what you're not looking for. The trusted news outlet also shares that in 2020, Vice News investigated Operation Underground Railroad, and though they found no falsehoods in their rescue claims, they did conclude that they have a pattern of image burnishing and mythology building, a series of exaggerations that are, in the aggregate, quite misleading. Provable facts and experiences are at the top of the list for things that are quite misleading. Thankfully, most of the critics on YouTube have heard the media hysteria and responded to it like Critical Drinker. 
What's almost as interesting as the movie itself is the reaction it seems to have provoked from the mainstream media that seemed determined to tear it down at any cost. I mean, you'd think a movie that sheds light on the hidden nightmare of child trafficking would be a pretty admirable cause worthy of support, but apparently not for the people who applauded cuties as a bold piece of artistic expression. Why don't they want this movie to succeed? Why is Hollywood so defensive about it? It almost gets you thinking, doesn't it? Either way, regardless of the media firestorm raging around it, Sound of Freedom is an excellent movie that kept me thoroughly gripped from start to finish. It's a film that reminds us that even though there's a lot of bad people in this world doing the worst things imaginable, there are also still good men fighting to bring them to justice. And maybe that's something we could all do with remembering. For those who didn't know already that the media has been gaslighting all of us for quite some time, the disconnect between the movie itself and the media narrative might be a wake-up call for them, the same way the summer of 2020 was for me. The best movies have captured some of those wake-up calls in unforgettable ways. Ingrid Bergman in Notorious realizes for the first time her husband's family is poisoning her, Nazis who now need her dead. Uh, Alex is right, my dear child. When you are young, rest is the best doctor. And if you lie still for a few days, reading, relaxing, forgetting all your troubles, it might be as well as uh, medicine or here. And when I come back, you will be all well, making us all very happy once more. Excuse me, I, I won't go to bed, if you know. Plain again, darling? Sorry to complain again. Shall I take you up to May I help you, my dear? Some hot water, maybe? No, no, please don't bother. I'll be all right. If you better in the morning, I insist you call it, doctor. I don't like the way she looks at us. I'm worried about her. Daniel Day-Lewis in The Age of Innocence when he realizes for the first time that everyone around him believes he's having an affair with Michelle Pfeiffer's character. The silent organization which held this whole small world together was determined to put itself on record. It had never for a moment questioned the propriety of Madame Olenska's conduct. It had never questioned Archer's fidelity. And it had never heard of, suspected, or even conceived possible anything at all to the contrary. Ellen! From the seamless performance of this ritual, Archer knew that New York believed him to be Madame Olenska's lover. Discussing the Martha Washington Ball. Yes, we have it during Easter week to benefit the Blind Society. They do excellent work. Lawrence. Lawrence, I'm so sorry. And he understood for the first time that his wife shared the belief. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you'll never be the same. The Biden administration and their Praetorian Guard media are threatened by this film doing well because it targets their border policy. Astonishingly, the cognitive dissonance of people who pretend to care about the migrants yet continue to turn a blind eye to the ongoing sexual abuse of women and children in the human trafficking industry 
means predators are taking full advantage of our open borders. The ongoing tragedies are minimally reported on the left. Unaccompanied minors found in massive numbers in trucks. Who knows where many of them end up. And yet even caring about them a little bit means you must be a member of QAnon. Here is Tim Ballard talking about the movie and mentioning the film's unsung hero, Glenn Beck, who helped raise the money to save the kids from trafficking. Though you can imagine the caterwauling if Beck had been included. It was bad enough as it was. $14 million a day are landing in the pocket of smugglers and traffickers thanks to the Biden-Harris border policy. The only compassionate policy is border enforcement. This is Tyler O'Neill, managing editor at The Daily Signal, and I'm honored to be joined by a bona fide hero in Tim Ballard and uh, the guy who got to play him uh, in the upcoming film, The Sound of Freedom. It is a masterpiece. You did an amazing job just as you did in Passion of the Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw it last night. So it was was very moving. I gotta say, I'm honored to have both of you here with me today. Thank you very much. So I want to get right into it. Uh, Tim, you know, the story is fantastic, surprising. You were telling me they even didn't want to include some of the details from the story yeah. because people wouldn't believe that it's true. Yeah. But it is a true story. And would you just briefly introduce it and how you got involved? in this important work? Well, I, I had spent uh, 12 years as a special agent, undercover operator for the Department of Homeland Security, Homeland Security Investigations, working child crimes, child trafficking. And it was kind of an evolution. You know, the, the first few years, it was mostly just end user collector uh, cases of you know, people who are possessing, distributing child exploitation material. Um, and always wondering, where are the kids? I see these videos, it breaks my heart. I got to describe them. There's a scene in the movie that breaks my heart where you know, Jim is crying as he's having to describe these horrific sex scenes of children. And when I say children, I mean averaging seven, six, five, okay? And um, then in 2006, the laws changed. And for the first time, U.S. agents could actually go overseas and prosecute Americans for engaging in sex with children overseas and, and prosecute them as if they had committed the crime on U.S. soil. So that opened up my, my horizons and I started seeing finding the kids. And that was a frustrating process, though, because the law didn't stipulate how much time I would get or how much flexibility I would have or creativity I'd have. So I'd, give, I'd be given a week or whatever to find it. I'd always find the kids, but if I couldn't find the nexus back to the United States, come home. But I've seen kids. Yeah. I can rest. It doesn't matter. Come home. So it all kind of came to a head for me in 2012 when I was working two different cases, actually, one in Haiti and one in Colombia. And I was told, come home on both of them. They were both major cases, a significant, um, you know, hit against human traffickers would have taken place. And, and the film only focuses on, on the one in Colombia. Um, and there, there I am thinking, you know, they're asking me to come home once again, and I'm not going to do it. Sound of Freedom does what almost no films do anymore, tells a great story. Hollywood doesn't seem able to do that anymore. Perhaps you've noticed. They've become obsessed with identity politics, which replaces depth and meaning with dogma, pushing a female character into the indie franchise and casting non-binary characters in traditional leads and expecting the audience not to notice. It isn't about authentic characters whose stories matter to audiences. It's about telling people what and how to think, and it's everywhere. 
If you want to tell a story about a non-binary character, do that. People who want to watch it will. But big Hollywood films, or certainly blockbusters, should try to reach the widest audience possible, which means writing universal stories for the majority. It's not that complicated. Stay true to the characters, then audiences will know them and be invested in their outcome. Sound of Freedom does this exceptionally well, right from the start. A caring father in a poor country drops his children off at what appears to be a modeling agency. He shows up later to pick them up and they've been kidnapped and sent off to a sex trafficking ring. From that minute on, we can't look away. We have to watch until the very end. Will Tim Ballard rescue them? Will the father be reunited with them? Great writing makes things as hard on the protagonist as possible. The barriers put in their way must be believable, so we're on the edge of our seats the whole time. This allows us to forget our problems in the real world and escape into a story about other people. This has enormous value for all of us, no matter our background. We are rooting for our heroes until the very last second. As they risk their lives to rescue the two kids everyone is worried about and invested in. That, my friends, is great storytelling. Here we have it all. Tight, lean directing, spare, powerful dialogue, flawless pacing, a slow burn that takes us to the end, where we have the chance to celebrate and applaud the efforts of Ballard. Jim Cavazil is exceptional in the lead. Not many actors can hold an entire audience with a solid gaze, but Cavazil can. Even while saying and doing absolutely nothing, we can't look away from just his eyes alone, full of pain and a long, slow boil of outrage. The movie's key line, God's children are not for sale, might have meant that journalists in the film coverage industry call it faith-based, but it's a message that will resonate in the right places with the right people. Besides, now that they've been overtaken by a secular religion, which they've injected in nearly every film they make, they have no room to talk. One thing people might not have noticed, the film's co-writer and director Alejandro Monteverde inserted a signature shot of the young girl at the film's center. This image was an echo from the CBS News report on Ballard back when the media still gave a damn and weren't mindless drones for the state. Here is the CBS report. Last weekend, police broke up a major sex trafficking ring in Colombia, which has become a destination for tourists looking for sex with boys and girls. The police had help from an American who went undercover to rescue the children, and Elaine Quijano met him. Tim Ballard has one mission, to track down child traffickers. Four months ago, Colombian authorities asked him to investigate a tip that children were being sold there as sex slaves. Within a half hour, this individual walks up to me, starts asking me what I'm there for, what I want, and within m minutes, he says, well, I've got, I've got kids as young as 11 years old. Ballard, a former Homeland Security agent, now heads up Operation Underground Railroad, a nonprofit group that rescues trafficked kids. After that first meeting, the Colombians asked him to put together a sting. No men will be in here, only women. Operation Underground Railroad spent months planning, renting this house, rigging it with hidden cameras to document the crime, coordinating with Colombian authorities, and negotiating with the traffickers. How they find these kids is they lure them in by pretending to have a modeling agency. They target them at 9 or 10 years old. And they were telling us that about by 11, they're ready for sex. They're ready to be sold. What is that like looking into that kind of person's eyes? It, it, it's horrifying, and this is why. Because 
I've got a smile in the face of evil. This is the table where we're going to do the negotiation. Less than 24 hours after the operatives landed, the suspected traffickers arrived on the island, and the final deal with the undercover team began. 54 boys and girls aged 11 to 18 were ushered in for what had been billed as a sex party. They were given candy and drinks and told to wait in this small room. This, this little 11-year-old boy, I remember, he asked one of my operatives if they could give him some cocaine or something. That they, he said, they usually give me something because I'm really scared. By the time the deal was done, the alleged traffickers were set to make $25,000. That transaction was never completed. 25 Colombian special operatives stormed the party, arresting five suspects, four men, and one former beauty queen, all charged with child trafficking. The victims, 29 of whom are under 18, were evacuated, given medical exams, and placed in a rehabilitation center where specialists are working to undo the damage. Right before I got in the boat, we had to walk by the this room where the kids were, and they put their hand up. And I touched their hand and see that there's liberation now. Liberating one child at a time. Elaine Quijano, CBS News. Here is the still from the report and the still from the film. That's some heart-stopping filmmaking by a very talented director and writer who knows how to tell a great story with not just crisp original dialogue, but with indelible imagery. Now that the writers are striking, they should take this moment to reflect on why it is that AI has become such a threat. AI can do what they've all been forced to do. It can ensure the story complies strictly with their new woke order. It can send the right message. It can be aspirational. But it can't do what human beings can do. It can't come up with an original idea. Perhaps in their contract negotiations, they can ask for their freedom back. The sound of freedom in this film is the sound of children singing and playing music. The sound of freedom in Hollywood is the freedom to tell the truth about people, the human condition, and the darkness of our natures. But why shouldn't AI consume us if we can no longer do that? Humans need good storytelling, whether it's gathering around a campfire, a parent reading a bedtime story to a child at night, or even gossiping at the water cooler. It tells us who we are, brings us together, and shapes our belief systems. Who are the heroes? The people who fight sex traffickers. Who are the villains? The people who enable it. It's not that complicated. The only way Hollywood can save itself is to tell better stories. Sound of Freedom does that effortlessly and is one of the year's best films. Thank you for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. Hope you had a great weekend, and remember, to thine own self be true. Well, I think it's fine Building jumbo planes Or taking a ride On a cosmic train Switch on summer From a slot machine
get what you want if you want Cause you can get anything I know we've come a long way We're changing day to day But tell me, where do the children play? Hey, 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 hey Will you roll on roads over fresh green grass for your lorry load pumping petrol gas and you make them long and you make them tough but they just go on and on and it seems that you can't get off no I know we've come a long way We're changing day to day But tell me, where do the children play? Thank you.